Hello, and welcome to the Quest Church San Diego Sermon Podcast. Our church has a passion to reach people who are far from God, teach them to follow Jesus, and launch them out to serve God in the world. If you're in the San Diego area, we'd love for you to join us for a service. Please visit questsd.com to learn more about us, find out service times, and explore our ministries. If you have any questions, send us an email at info at questsd.com. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy today's message. All right, good morning. Open this up, scroll back to the top of the notes here. And if you've been in my youth ministry before, um, I'm starting my timer just for you. So, and go. Okay. Um, so, uh, I'm Nick. I've been a part of, I'm a part of the youth ministry team here. We have an amazing team. Uh, we have amazing youth. We have amazing parents of youth. I just always have to say that, like, I've been so blessed by, by all of you in this ministry. Um, and I've been doing that for a while, and I was looking back over the years, which is a few more years than I appear to be, okay? And uh, I was looking back at some of my experience teaching youth. I really enjoy theology. Um, weaving it into lessons, helping build a broader understanding of who God reveals himself to be in his word, especially when students ask me about theology. That's one of my favorite things. It's like watching somebody upgrade from like a little bubble TV to like the widescreen. And then like when they keep pursuing that relationship with God, you get to watch them like just have like an IMAX home theater when they're, they're viewing God, right? And I just love watching that transformation take place when a student on their own, ask a question about God. I love seeing that happen. Um, and it was about 11 or 12 years ago that I was born. Just kidding. 11 or 12 years ago, I was just wrapping up my first year of ministry at a church, and the youth group had begun to get used to me. They began to start asking questions. They began to start growing in their faith. And not everyone had opened up yet. And uh, there was this one student. She hadn't really opened up yet. She came up to me. Um, before, before a church service. And she said, Nick, can I ask you a question? I thought, all right, here we go. We're going to start asking questions about God. We're going to get this faith ownership going on for her. And it will just snowball into this relationship of God, you know, being blown away by the, his majesty and glory. I was like, this is it. This is, it. This is going to be awesome. I was like, yeah, go ahead. Ask your question. What do you have to ask? And she's like, Nick, do you shave between your eyebrows? <laughs> Youth group is great. You get to hear a lot of things, see a lot of amazing things, smell some not so amazing things, but it's great. One of the angles that we've been visiting in our sessions here at Quest on Wednesday nights, one of the things that we've been kind of bringing our studies back to is that proper theology, that is biblical theology, the study of God, results in the worship of God, okay? What you think about God should change how you think about everything else. What you know of God's love, you make known by your love. In summary, our response to knowing the holy God 
is to be holy people. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15, Peter writes to the church, But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. We will be talking about holiness and worship today. What does a holy response to a holy God look like? For our main text, I will be back in Romans again. This time we will be starting in chapter 11, verse 33. And Paul is about here, he's about to share some theology that he's pretty excited about. Really, he's been doing that since chapter 1, verse 1, but because I have a timer going, we're going to fast forward to chapter 11. All right? Again, just for you guys. So if you're there, Romans 11, verse 33 Paul writes, Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments, how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who, can be, who has been his counselor? Or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things to him be glory forever. Amen. Paul is wondering at the majesty and power of God in salvation. God's wisdom and omniscience in making a way for the lost to be found in Christ. Paul is blown away at the power of God to rescue sinners from death and bring them into hope and life. And watch what he does next. 12 verse 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers or siblings, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Paul's theology turns into a call for worship. When you read the Bible and you see a therefore, you need to ask, what is the therefore therefore? Okay? The therefore is therefore because the great wisdom of God, the glory of God, his great mercy, because of all of that he has done and given to us, we are to present our whole self in holiness to God. My translation reads, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Your translation may read, which is your reasonable service or your rational service. There's a couple different versions of them, and they're all solid translations of this verse. And the idea is the same. Holiness is a worthy response to God that glorifies God. What glorifies God? Holiness. Your holiness is your worship. This worship is not exclusive to worship through song and music. It includes it, but it goes beyond it. The call to worship is a sacrifice, an offering of your whole self through living a holy life. Don't miss this. This is easy to overlook. Holiness has a great deal to do with living. And living, at least for anybody hearing or reading this, has a great deal to do with having a body, right? You have a body, you're alive, and so you are living. 
Why does that matter? Well, throughout Scripture, holiness and sin, with regard to people, are often spoken of in terms of the actions of the heart, the actions of the mind, and the actions of the body. So what it means to present your whole body as a living sacrifice is to worship God by offering your whole self, your actions of your heart, the actions of your mind, the actions of your body, as a living, holy life. This is holy worship. So what does that look like? Well, I'm glad you asked. Paul 2, or 12 verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. In other words, do not be conformed to this world, to the things that the world says are good, to the things that the world says is acceptable, to what the world says is perfect. That's always going to fall short. Instead, be transformed by the renewal of your mind, knowing what God's goodness and perfection is. And what is transforming the mind? The knowledge of God through his gospel. If we look back to 1 Peter chapter 1 again, but back up one verse to verse 14, Peter writes, As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. It sounds familiar. Because you know God's gospel, you know the holy God, and you are no longer ignorant of holiness, no longer conformed to the knowledge of sin, you are called to be holy in all that you do. We've been talking about holiness and sin, uh, holiness and sin during our Wednesday night youth groups. And we ask the question, what, why does sin look like freedom? Why does sin look like something that's good? And one of the students concluded, more or less, that sin has corrupted our perception of God's word and holiness and has corrupted our perception of sin's evil. That without Christ, the heart that is dead in sin only sees the instruction of God's word as restrictive and the rebellion of sin as liberating. In our Wednesday night studies of 2 Peter, in chapter 2, verse 19, Peter is rebuking the folly of the false teachers and the sin that they lure people into. Verse 19 reads, They promise them freedom, but they themselves are slaves of corruption. For whatever overcomes a person, to that he is enslaved. Sin is deceptive. You can call it liberty. You can call it holy. You can call it whatever you want. But it will still be those ancient, rotten chains of sin and death. At youth group, we also asked the question, why does God have final say on what is sin and what is holy? Another student correctly surmised that God is holy and good. You see his theology working here in his, his answer? God is holy and good. So for him to say that something is holy when it is sin, or for him to say that something is sin when it is holy, would be against his very nature. In other words, it's not that God is picking and choosing what's okay and what isn't. It's that God is holy 
and entirely trustworthy and consistent with himself in telling us what is holy and what is sin. Another question we asked was, why does God tell us his way? Why does he tell us what is holy and what is sin? And there's many answers to this in the Word, and many of the, the kids in youth group had great answers. Joy, peace, abiding in the love of God, righteousness. And we could boil all those down to this. God tells you because he loves you. God is glorified in his love for you. His glory and love is so great that Christ made a way for us to be holy as he is holy. By the mercies of God, the heart is then made alive in Christ. And we can now perceive the goodness of God in his word. The freedom found in his Holy Spirit. The life and the life more abundantly that is found through Christ. As sin dies within us, we begin to live in Christ. A holy and acceptable worship to God. And if I were to point you to a catalyst, because maybe you're going to be reading through the rest of this chapter with us today, and you're going to be thinking, like, I'd like to start this. I'd like to get this going again. If I were to point you to a catalyst, aside from that this is all done through God's work, this is all the Holy Spirit at work in us, but something that just kind of like get the kindling going, it would be to spend time in God's word. Jesus, in his great commission, in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, Jesus says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Notice that Christ directs his followers back to his very word. There's a transformation that takes place when you spend time with Christ. When you are in his word, David reflects throughout the entire chapter of Psalm 119 on the goodness of God in God's word. And just for a little like sample of it, verse 16 of chapter 119, Paul write, or David writes, I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Where once sin may have, uh, in sin we may have thought that God's word was limiting, we now see it as joy. We delight in God's word. Our mind is being renewed and we see a new way of life, a holy worship, a holy living. Let's continue in Romans 12, verse 3. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body, we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given us, let us use them, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes to, in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. A life of holy worship to God not only takes place in our minds, but also in the setting of the church. We worship God when we use our spiritual gifts to glorify God in his church. I won't go into great detail on spiritual gifts today because I have a timer going, 
Um, but you can find a, a little survey of them on questsd.com if you wanted to explore that topic a little bit more, maybe figure out what your spiritual gifts are. And as we read through this, uh, there's, there's a few spiritual gifts listed here, and I'm sure that uh, many of us resonated with many, maybe one or two of them. And I'm sure of that because I see so many of you using your gifts in this church. And it happens inside, like the official ministries, and outside those ministries as well. I can see you guys using your gifts from God to glorify God as the church. We have an abundance of ministry opportunities here at Quest, and there is much need. Harvest is coming up, and it's a wonderful opportunity to come together as a church and shine a light of hope in our community. There's children's ministry, there's hospitality, the worship team, the production team. There's many ways for you to jump in and check things out. If you'd like to look at more of those, again, check it out on questsd.com. And if you look at that list and you can't think of any of them, nothing's really resonating with you, uh, well, we will put you in the sound ministry. Mike back there will train you on the soundboard, um, and then Mike will be good to go for his vacation coming up in November. So thank you. All right, let's keep going. Verse 9. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal, but be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. These examples of spiritual worship are not tied to a specific spiritual gift. This is instruction to all of the church. Let love be genuine. Don't pretend. Be authentic in your love. Detest what is evil while clinging to what is good. Love each other with the love of a family. As opposed to unwillingness, be energetic in your serving. The word fervent there in the Greek, the idea is to boil or to burn. And again, the best kindling I know for that fire is to be found in the word of God. When you are filled with the word of Christ, the Savior's service becomes your service to the Lord. Next, we see to rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. When life is up or down, there is a holy worship that takes place when one's hope is fixed on Christ. All of our hope is found in him. For him, we are waiting patiently. And from him, we constantly seek his will. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. That's part of what I've seen as serving as a church around here. Your prayers for each other, the way you check in on or visit each other when there is a need, when you go out of your way to be in God's way and look out for one another. That's love. That is holy worship. Paul continues his call to worship in verse 14. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, 
so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Notice again, Paul's theology, knowing that God is sovereign and just and will one day pronounce a final judgment on sin, Paul knows that he can surrender his personal and temporary version of getting even to the absolute and eternal God. He can trust God with that. And he can also trust God that God may be working mercy in those people's lives too. What Paul knows about God shapes what Paul knows about living. Our new life of holiness will put us into direct opposition to a life of sin. There is going to be conflict. There is going to be conflict within and without. And when you pursue these things of God, there is instruction from God in his way. When we are persecuted and cursed and mocked, we bless When we experience evil, we don't get even. Instead, we are honorable so that God willing, evil may be overcome with good. I forget exactly who said it, um, but I've heard before that our our spiritual war isn't against our our opponents to our faith. It's, It's not that we're trying to defeat them as our enemy. It's that we are trying to love them as our enemy so that they will defect and join Christ. That is, after all, how God called us to salvation, is his love. The holy worship of God is also marked by harmony in the church. When someone is grieving, we grieve with them. When someone is celebrating, we celebrate with them. Holy worship does not dismiss the pain of others. It is not jealous of other people's joy. Holy, living worship is not prideful or full of oneself. It is full of Christ's self. And like Christ, this life associates with the lowly. Some translations actually may read, give yourself to humble tasks. Again, the Holy Son of God, the Christ, the name above every name, who from him and through him and to him are all things, who holds the very cosmos together, that Christ is also our ultimate example in humility. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, Paul writes, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. To be holy as he is holy is to be humble as he was humble. A holy life is a humble life. Paul will continue throughout Romans to teach the church about holy conduct that is fitting worship to a holy God. But we're going to stop here today because my timer is going. 
Coming up in Mark, we're going to see one of the most important questions anyone could ever ask you. Worship team, you guys can go ahead and come on up. This question, I believe it will be next week in Mark chapter 8, is one of, if not the most important questions anyone could ask you and that you could ever answer. Who do you say that Jesus is? Your answer and your response is supposed to be more than words. You answer this question with your life, with your actions. Holiness is a response and a result that unfolds in the life of a Christ follower through the power of the Holy Spirit as he is working in your life. And your holy worship to God is to yield, to give way to the Holy Spirit's work in your mind and in your heart and in your body. Don't look at this chapter and be discouraged either. I know it's easy to look at this list of, of, of things that are of God, that are of holy, and just kind of feel crushed like I'm not living up to this. Don't do that. Be encouraged instead. See this chapter as a process. It's a, a living sacrifice, not an instant sacrifice. There is no just add water instant faith. But if you would like to add some water, we are having baptisms next Sunday. You can sign up at the bookstore, okay? Holy worship is a process. Don't look at this as a list of tasks and failures. Instead, see it as what the Holy Spirit intends to accomplish and then yield to him. See it as the sheet music to the worship song of your life the notes and melody of holiness that is your response to knowing the holy God. Let's think a little bit about our theology to close this out. Let's think about some things that we know about God. He is so great a creator. The works of his will, the mountains, the forests, the seas, they are a testament to his domain and glory. The very cosmos, the stuff of universes, time and space and stars and galaxies, He holds them in existence. He is truth in the absolute sense. He is sovereign and just. He is reigning everlasting to everlasting. He is all-powerful, all-present, all-knowing, and infinite. This God, the holy God, by the mercies of God, has bought you in love with the blood of the God of love. His life has been given to become your life. His righteousness counted as your righteousness. His very holiness, a calling and a response. Your worship, holiness that comes to life in your life. Therefore, present your whole life as living worship, holy and acceptable to God. Thank you, guys. Amen. Looks like... uh... Everybody has uh, received your communion. There's a, a bread down in the bottom of the two cups and the, the juice. And these are symbolic of the body that was broken, Jesus' body who suffered and died in our place. And when we take communion, it's important to remember. Remember all that he's done for us and all that he has waiting for us, his blood of the new covenant, a new plan for mercy for grace and forgiveness to bring us all into heaven forever. And as believers, we celebrate uh, these facts. We celebrate our faith.
This is to reaffirm and to remember uh, what we believe. And I just want to share with you in the uh, book of Acts, when the, the church was first established in chapter 2, the word had gone forth, people had come to the Lord, and they were gathering as a church. And it says in 42, it says, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. And then fear came upon every soul, which is a holy reverence and a respect. And many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all believed, all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. There was a spirit of generosity, a spirit of service, and they were in the word as we are today. They were in prayer and they were in fellowship. And they remembered what Jesus told them to remember through communion, all that he had done. So we inherit this, this wonderful um, uh, command that Jesus had given us to, to do, to remember him. And, and so today, as we partake uh, and we reflect and we remember, just, just look at what happened next. It said they continued daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved through exercising this and remembering and, and uniting together um, as a body and serving together and being generous. God's word goes out and it multiplies. Just like the bread we take today, that bread that he multiplied we can know that there's power in, in remembering and in honoring. So today, let's take that bread together and, and, and do just that as we finish our worship. Um, his body that was broken and his blood of the new and everlasting covenant. Father, we just thank you again. We thank you for meeting us here, and we pray that you would go with us and go before us in this world that is so in need of you, and we pray that you will fill us um, in our spirits just as you, you fill us with your, your bread and your, your, your juice, and, and Lord, just let it be a testimony to who you are and how great you are and the lives that you've given us and the, and the thankfulness for our faith and so much that you bless us with. Lord, bring us back together soon and bless the efforts of this church to, to glorify you and reach out in the community and Lord, for our baptisms and baby dedications and so much that's going on here. Let it all be for you and we just thank you for this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for joining us for the Quest Church San Diego Sermon Podcast. We hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you have any questions about the Bible, need prayer, or recently made a commitment to follow Jesus, we'd love to hear from you. Please visit questsd.com to get connected. You can also send us an email at info at questsd.com to let us know how God is using these messages to encourage you in your walk with Jesus. Until next time, we pray you have a blessed week.